Hey, I'm Kate Stillman, leading the Yoga Healer Global Community since 2001, talking Ayurveda and living your life awake from the practical perspective of a modern Vedic wisdom warrior and everyday mama. Are you intrigued by Ayurveda? To heal? To thrive? To know your body's potential? Do you want to grow your vision, your dharma, into reality? At Yoga Healer, we help you evolve you and yours. We're here for your personal and our planetary thrive. Again, this is Kate Stillman, and let's get on with the show. Hi, it's Kate with Yoga Healer, and I've come up with three divine deals that are only available for a limited time. So what I've packed into the first deal, which is start your year right, is the Ayurvedic Constitution Workshop, which is actually, it's its own training onto itself with about six or seven classes that help you understand your unique constitution, how you go out of balance, both mentally and physically, and help you actually start to make choices to align uh, to deeper balance, understand your digestive type, and learn a lot about Ayurveda and this ancient wisdom philosophy as applied to you uniquely. It's also great for parents who are trying to understand the constitutions of their children uh, to help prevent certain imbalances uh, and diagnose certain imbalances according to Ayurvedic philosophy. So what's also in Start Your Year Right, and this is really awesome, is the Vision Quest. So the Vision Quest is its own training onto itself, and it guides you at any point in your life, like wherever you're at or whenever you're at, because when you buy this, you have it forever, is you get to go through your own Vision Quest. I do Vision Questing about twice a year to help see exactly where I'm heading and is that in alignment with where I want to go and usually there's tweaks and adjustments no matter when I start a vision quest of refinement and alignment and so it's a really fun thing to do over a weekend or over even a month of time Uh, so that's a very special training just about about vision questing there's also the yoga healer tip sheets ebook which is all of my tip sheets that I've made over the years comprised into one ebook it's great to print put in a file and then you know month by month pull a new tip sheet out you'll learn a ton about Ayurveda that way and you'll be able to guide your habits season by season just through following a tip or two week by week What's also in this, this is, and these are two really great things that actually work together, is the Peak Performance and Deep Rejuvenation Workshop. And this is about an hour and a half workshop where I really draw out for you exactly my cutting edge innovative thinking on peak performance and deep rejuvenation uh, as I'm using strategic thinking, design thinking, and Ayurvedic philosophy to really align my own life to greater levels of, of peak performance and while living a deeply rejuvenated life so that... I have the kind of experience in my body that I want to have every day, every season, and every year. So what goes along with that is after you watch that is to schedule your Focus Your 2020 Strategy session uh, with one of my dearly trained yoga healer coaches. And that session is great because you get to just hear yourself speak and be guided into a deeper process of you figuring out what you really want to focus on in your 2020. So this package is worth 310 bucks, but you can get it for 97 bucks. Now, um, which is great because just the Ayurvedic Constitution workshop alone sells for 97, as does the Vision Quest sells for 97. So you get a lot more in there with the Start Your Year Right package. To get it, you go to yogahealer.com forward slash deals. 
Hello, everyone. It's Kate Stolman with yogahealer.com, and I have the delight to be here with Dr. Claudia Welch of drclaudiawelch.com. We've been having these conversations for years and years on the podcast and in the Healthier Hormones course, and we're going to talk today about life stages and just what we're thinking about in terms of, of how stages and transitions work. So Dr. C, tell me what's on your mind. Well, first of all, hello, everybody. And I always love these conversations with you, Kate. I, I, uh, you know, I, I love that they're not always the same questions. I love the same questions, but it's always fun to kind of go into just what we're thinking about and what's really alive for us right now. And uh, I want to talk about the, the life stages, but specifically because it's so personal to me right now and so alive for me the vanaprastha stage the that's the third stage of life that's the uh, i wonder should we just kind of go over the four stages of life really yeah briefly? why don't you do a quick overview yeah okay so quick overview supposing just for the ease of math that a lifespan was 100 years long it would be broken up into four 25 year stages the first one being this student brahmacharya stage and during this stage we're ideally learning how to navigate life from an ethical point of view, which is my favorite definition of, of dharma is personal ethics. So, you know, not like do's and don'ts and dogmas, but laws of nature, why this works this way and why that works that way. And therefore why it's useful to have discipline in certain areas and how to navigate life ethically and in a way that, that works in alignment. And this is the same thing as ethically in a way that works in alignment with, with head, mouth, heart actions. So that's the first 25 years of life. Hopefully we have mentors and, and guidance to help us figure all that stuff out. Then the second stage of life, we apply all that stuff we learned within this context of super active period of life. This tends to be the most outwardly active period in our lives where we're gathering to ourselves house and spouse and SUV and HDTV and PhD and other initials and, you know, stuff that makes us feel secure, Artha, that second aim of life. And professions, kids, all that stuff, really busy time. Then we go into the third stage, Vanaprastha, the forest dweller stage of life, where we start the process of extracting ourselves and our energies and our attention from pouring into the external world and reality and profession and all this stuff and turn that momentum around more so it starts feeding and nourishing the inner journeys more. This is more, this is sometimes associated with the third aim of life, this third stage of life associated with the third aim of life, which is comma, which is desire, which is kind of interesting because at this point in life, we've fulfilled God willing, a lot of the obligations and responsibilities we've had to do, we still have them for sure, but not as intensely perhaps. And we are able to turn some of our attention towards the as yet unfulfilled comma, as yet unfulfilled desires, those deeper desires of the soul and psyche and being. And then little by little, we retreat more and more from the external arena and go more and more into the internal arena and internal experience. Then is the fourth stage of life, the final stage of life, sannyas, renunciation. And it doesn't mean you have to go into a cave and not ever see anybody, but it, you know, you could be in a cave, my guru used to say, and be completely consumed by 
thoughts about the world and the worldly arena, external arena, but you could also be in the middle of a lot of action and be a renunciate, be detached from all that stuff that's going on. And, and it's a serious detachment from the external arena and a, a real attachment to the internal journey. So it's kind of the, that final exit stage. And so that's a, so that's, that's a, a little nutshell. You want to add anything to that? Mm-mm. Nope. We're good. So uh, what, what's been on my mind is, is, so I'm turning 51 shortly and provided nothing goes seriously awry between now and about a month from now. And this past year, past few years, I've been in this transition from Grahasta, the householder, second stage of life, to Vanaprasta, that third stage of life. And I've known about these stages of life since my late teens, for sure, maybe earlier, maybe I, I think I heard about these life stages probably before I was 10, uh, you know, so I just always, but I got more into them in probably my late teens, early 20s. I've always, they've always resonated with me on pretty much every level intellectually, just kind of, I don't know what physical resonance with that means, but it just has really resonated with those stages as a contextualizing force for life and a contextualizing organizational principle for life. And I think that it allowed me to go into the second stage of my life that was so busy, that Grahasta stage, with this understanding that this stage is going to be busy and it is not going to last forever. (laughs) And what what I'm, you know, when I sink myself and my into research and all the things that I love to do and teaching and connections and patterns with Ayurveda and Chinese medicine and Western science, all the stuff that I'll see patterns in and connect. And there's such a joy of that and share that with people and enjoy it myself. It's this very busy part. And there's also how does, does that cohese in order to allow me to make a living? So there's all the, the, the stuff that's around that, the computer organization, the uh, how do you put an online course together and how do, you, how do you make that a user-friendly experience and all this other stuff that doesn't have a lot to do with Ayurveda in a very obvious way, but this behind-the-scenes important organizational detail, logistical kind of morass. And so all that stuff, I knew, okay, I'm going to sink into this, but this isn't forever. So it kind of allowed me, I think, not to just pour my identity into this and think, okay, so from now on, I'm just going to build this and build this and build this and build this for the rest of my life. It's like, hey, at a certain point, like it or not, and I want to, I want to have another kind of experience that is not about that, that may take some of that, but, and import it into the third stage of life, but the attention should shift and things should be less externally focused. And so that going into that second phase of life with the idea that, okay, this isn't going to be forever. I think it did allow me to expect an end to a certain kind of energy and a transition to that certain kind of energy. And indeed in the last few years, there has been this shift. And I want to talk about some of the kind of mundane things around that, but share some of the main mundane things around that, but also some of the profound things around that. And one of the profound things was sometime around last February, January, February, March, something like that, 
I'd been well aware that this transition from second to third stage was going on, but there was this literal moment where I felt like I'd been facing my face in one direction for a long period of time. And like somebody took my face and turned it 180 degrees in another direction, or at least let's say 45 to 70 degrees in another direction, just turned it. It was so palpable, inescapable, and visceral and real. It was, it just brought me to this understanding that this four stage of life philosophy, at least for me, is not just an intellectual construct that contextualizes my life in a way that resonates for me. There's something energetically very real and almost like it's hardwired into my blueprint business about this transition. So that, that was something I didn't expect. I knew I was in the transition. It was already powerful enough without having that experience. But that experience ever since then, it was like, I couldn't go back if I wanted to, and I don't. So that's been profound. That's been really profound. And I'd love to talk about some of the, I'd love to backtrack and talk about some of the really kind of mundane things that I had to do, because there's some these mundane aspects, mundane seeming aspects of these powerful transitions. And then I'd love to share kind of where I am now, which is feels like it's kind of mind blowing and great, but, but I want to, I want this not to be just a monologue. And I'm enjoying the monologue though. I think everyone is. Yeah. I mean, a few things strike me. Like one is like, if you don't have the context for this, then how confusing and maybe even bewildering is that, you know, just for people that don't, that weren't raised with a potential framework understanding this because like then what happens uh, you know it's if I look at like a typical western woman's mindset there's you know like there's menopause but there's not in it and it's so physical often and mental and emotional but it's not often aligned to like where these physiological changes are just happening in greater in a, in a greater context of of life cycles and how when we're aware of it, because I'm starting to be really aware of it. I'm starting to be very aware of how my mind is functioning differently, including my memory is changing in different ways. And so I'm 46 now and I'm like very, I'm very clear. And I, and it started maybe a, a year ago, I think about like around 50, around 45, where I was like, there's certain things that I need, I need to learn between now and 50. Like there's some very, and they're big chunks. Like they're, they're quite sizable life skills that I'm like, and there's, there's just a sense of like, there's some things that I want to go into my, in, into my fifties with like having, having kind of moved through these learning curves. And there's an awareness of that. And there's simultaneously an awareness of like how my, you know, just, just how my memory is functioning differently, how my mind's functioning differently. And there's a alignment and acceptance of it because of the life stages worldview that Ayurveda you know, and yoga that we have in these, you know, somewhat ancient philosophical traditions. And because of that, there's, because of having that as a context or because of having that as a, as a framework, there's a deep ease and relaxation into the transitional, you know, mental, physical, emotional that I, you know, and I go back to like how a lot of people don't have this framework. And I don't think it would be as easeful. So can I um, just... I, I love all this and it's, and, and it's the theoretical framework, but I want to kind of go into a couple of things if you don't mind. It's personal, but yeah. you, you mentioned your, your mind and your memory are working differently. I'd love to yeah. hear how, and you also mentioned 
that there's things you know you want to learn before you're 50. I want to I want to hear what you think you need to learn. Yeah. You know, what you feel you need to learn because yeah. This stuff is very interesting and I think everybody is going through this and the more we're going through this with our eyes open, the more interesting it is. Right. So. Yeah, so the first question so I started, so with writing Master of You, like, and I, I remember texting you and being like, oh my goodness, like just the words on the screen and my eyes, I started noticing my eyesight changing. Uh, but then I also noticed that like where my mind, my mind was very sharp, like typical pit of mind, like very sharp and very strong recall, like Tarpaka Kafa, like recall, like I could just remember, I could cite books, I could cite studies, like I could cite stuff like really, really quickly. And now I'm like, oh, that's, there's a little bit more amorphous a little bit more amorphousness, but like the deep concepts I'm able to articulate better, you know? So there's that, you know, that more processed life, like lessons learned or the concepts that I'm trying to portray. I'm able to do so more, I would say more clearly than ever, but like the sort of like superficial recall is not as like super sharp. And it's, and it was more superficial. Like I can see that in a deeper way, like just that way of functioning and communication was more, on a surface level of like just being able to, you know, whether it was, you know, what kind of comes up for me actually right now and talking about it is like, I was relying on my intellect, like on this like short-term fast processing intellect. That was the ace in my pocket. And I played that card all the time. And now I'm like, oh, that's less facile. <laughs> okay. Deeper wisdom, you know? And so that's, that's definitely, I'm just aware of that. On the life lessons, can, like can we can we um ta- yeah, can we sure, um, table that for just a second because I want to hear what the lessons are. But there's an article I wrote a couple years ago. I think I was 48, or that, I think it was a couple years ago. I can send you the link if you want. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, about the changes that was ha- were happening to me in my late 40s. I was, I think, 48 at the time. And what, and I talked about the, the business with the eyesight changing. And one of the things that happened to me, actually early in my 40s, my eyesight started changing a little bit. And I was driving in Albuquerque and I was just feeling insane. And I just, I was thinking, oh my God, do I need to go like get a, get blood work from an MD. You know, I need what I was like, and I was kind of panicking and, and I kind of calmed myself down and I said, all right, put into words what you're freaking out about. And the words were, I feel like I'm seeing everything differently. And I feel crazy. I feel crazy. So it's like, okay, I like to treat energetic problems with energetic medicine and going and getting blood work may not be the answer here. Let me start with energetic medicine. And I went to a friend of mine who's very gifted with energetic medicine. And he, I can't remember if I got acupuncture from him or a polarity treatment or something. But, oh my God, I felt amazing afterwards and just more grounded. And and then I realized within a short period of time that that other component of my insanity feeling, like I feel like I'm not seeing things the same, is that I wasn't seeing things. I literally wasn't seeing things the same. My eyesight was starting to change in a very slight way. And of course, it's gotten a little bit more like that since my early 40s, you know, I definitely have to read, have either reading glasses or actually, this is something that I discovered late is that I'm very nearsighted. I have been my whole life. And so I have these, you know, very nearsighted correctional lenses. And I find I don't have to use the reading glasses very often if I just pull my regular 
nearsighted glasses down lower on my nose. And I know that sounds like I'm just trying to be a librarian because I think they're cool. And I do. But, and I just want to look like an old lady, which I'm fine with. But it, it is, it's really true. If I bring them down further on my nose, I can read without, often without using the, the um, glasses. And it took me like, I don't know, eight years to figure that out. At least seven years to figure out that if I just pulled my glasses down further on my nose, I could read things. And I was sharing this with my good friend and colleague, Dr. Svoboda this year. And I was like, I felt like such an idiot, you know, couldn't figure this out for eight years. And he's like, let me try. Cause he's got a similar, like, I press, I press. And he figured it out. Oh my God, he could also do it. And that made me feel better because he's like 13 years older than me. So, than I. So, so anybody out there, if you're very nearsighted before you go get reading glasses or progressive lenses, which I hated, just try pulling your glasses down on your nose and looking like a librarian because that, that can help. So as that was going on, that process was going on, I started realizing this isn't like my body's failing me finally and it's just going to get worse and worse. We are hardwired to stop looking outward so much and start looking inward. And, you know, for a lot of people, this hasn't happened to me yet as far as I know, but for a lot of people, the other sensory organs start diminishing in terms of their efficacy of translating outward sensory uh, experience to the internal terrain efficiently. So people's hearing starts to weaken and their sense of smell and sense of taste starts to weaken and maybe they get some numbness or some other kind of thing sensorily. And everybody feels deprived, you know, or can feel deprived. You can feel like, oh, my body's failing me. My senses are failing. I, I much prefer to look at it as it's directing us. We're hardwired to start looking inward more and start tapping into a different kind of experience. And you're talking about intellect and, you know, you were relying on your intellect. And I understand, I get that. I feel some of that sometimes too. And, but the intellect is what it's in, in Ayurveda, the mind is fed by the senses and the senses are changing. And it just makes so much sense with the four stages of life that we're being, that we're hardwired for these four stages of life in a way that we aren't, we're being called to stop habitually looking outward to make sense of things and look more inward and listen more inward. And even, you know, what, why not smell and taste more inward, like have that internal sensory experience become more, more aware. So I really started to appreciate the eye, eyesight thing and that eyesight thing, the eye strain, sitting at a computer and finishing editing a book or finishing figuring the editing process of putting a course online, that stuff takes an enormous amount of that kind of second stage logistical, organizational, intellectual kind of presence. And it's not that we can't do it anymore necessarily, although sometimes I think that's true. We just don't want to, and that's okay. You know, like, we've done this a long time. We know what it's like to take a project by the horns and see it through and all the organization and logistical, you know, maneuvering that that entails. There's other things to do. 
let's let's have a rounded experience here, you know? So anyway, I wanted to address that thing about the senses because I think that sensory and it's part of the life stages. Yeah, it makes so much sense, doesn't it? Of just like, okay, well, this is how this is how the life stage happens. There's a physical component to it that re, that redirects awareness. Yeah. Yeah. And so th- that was the other, that was a big thing of like, no more pushing. Like after this last book, which ended in April, I got a lot. I was like, I need a lot of healing work. So I got a lot of, I got a lot of energy work. I got a lot of, a, a lot of body work. And I consciously decided like, that's it. I'm never doing that. I'm never pushing through. I'm never burning my ojos again. <laughs> like it was like that. Of like, that's what that was. And no, no moss. And that, and I think I, I think a lot of people don't get to learn that lesson um, as I, I feel like I, I feel like I got I kind of got away with something there because I could have ended up pretty sick. I think a lot of you know a lot of people you and I have worked with that have autoimmune breakdown or whatnot, like they end up pretty sick from pushing, and I didn't. I just was tired and realized that like that's done. Like I I felt like I kind of got away with I got away with it, but I also was like never again. Like it just the quality of my, yeah, just my quality of like day to day. I'm like, I'm just not interested in that anymore. Like done. I think that's a huge, uh, I think, I think that experience that you have is like, you know, it's not like there's, there is, I think like there, my experience of my, my attention being moved 180 degrees within a matter of a second, there is this kind of sudden thing that can happen, but there's also this God willing, this gradual learning period and growing period within the second stage of life. And I think that that's a big part of that, of course. And we've talked about that for 10 years or whatever, eight years, I guess, the, you know, learning how to slow down and learning how to guard the OGIS and learning how to, even within that busy stage of life, prune away the unnecessary and refocus all the time on the priorities and, and learn how to rest within that period. It's been a while since, since I've had to like push myself in a way that wasn't balanced by plenty of rest to help myself through that, that pushing. And, and I think that there is sort of this never again kind of feeling. It's not to say that it never again will happen though, that, that we're pushed. Right. And sometimes that's, that's really just this kind of unavoidable thing. Like a husband gets sick, a parent gets sick, a kid gets sick, like sick, sick, where, you really have to overextend yourself and you don't have a choice, you know, or you have a short-term project thing that spins out of control and you've got to overextend for a little bit. But Mm. I think it does, we do get less and less tolerant of putting that on ourselves, of setting ourselves, ourselves up for that by our own actions and overdrive and on. Exactly. The self, the self, for me, it was like an end to my own self-perpetuated pattern. Right. That was the, like the stuff I can control. Yeah. Which I think for a lot of us, we start to see how much we can control, right? Especially as we're getting between 40 and 50. Or yeah. it's like, how much of this is a self-perpetuated pattern? Hey, podcast listeners. Do you have deep desires for the version of you that you will become next? Do you know what you want to manifest in the next phase of your life? Our yoga healer coaches are ready to help you identify a clear vision of what you want next and actionable steps for how to get there. Go to yogahealer.com forward slash dream to sign up for your free conversation and get the support that you need to reach your personal goals and live your best life yet. 
And I, I want to go back to your, your, your other things of what you wanted to learn, but since yeah. we're talking about this kind of pushing stuff, I think it's a good place to talk about some of this mundane stuff that, that yeah. I've had to Do it. go through with this transition. One was a lot of what I've loved to do in the second stage of life is the research and the Ayurveda and the connections and the teaching and learning and all, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I always feel weird when I say teaching because that's the obvious role, but it doesn't feel like, you know, I never felt like a teacher. It just feels like channeling an experience that we can all share. You know, it just, such a, all that stuff, I just, I love and it's great. And there's a huge part of what I've had to do that is this logistical, organizational, technical, detail, morass that is just so it's amazing that maybe sometimes it's 90, 95% of this background computer organizational working with the staff kind of stuff. And this small amount, and I know you've had ways of not doing this and maximizing your, your ability to focus on what you love. But for me, the way that I've done it, I, I, I love, and it's been right for me, but there has been an enormous amount of this kind of organizational stuff and a small amount of new creation stuff. But it's always been, maybe it's not 90%, but any, it's been a lot. It feels like 90% when I'm doing it, you know? And so there's this sort of, there's this, it, it, sometimes there's been in, in the second stage of life, this, oh no, I'm not going to get I'm not going to get to the five other books that are in my head that, and all this cool stuff that we could talk about and create stuff around. I'm not going to get to that because I'm stuck in the organizational stuff. And at some point it was like, okay, I'm going to die without finishing my to-do list on that level. Get Get okay with that. You know, get okay with that. Like it doesn't always have to be more and more and the next thing and the next thing. And I realized I really wanted I felt compelled in the same way that I felt compelled to write Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life, in the same way that I felt compelled to do some other things that were important. And by the way, that book too, even though it's a creation, oh my God, the editing, you know what it's like, the editing and the, you know, all this stuff that isn't directly about Ayurveda or teaching or channeling or whatever. It's just this whole other part that goes with creation, even, you know, becoming okay with that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to get it all done. It's not all, I'm not going to explore everything, the endless number of things that are amazing. Just to, I just got to the point where it's like, okay, I've created this body of information and over the course of the the Gurdhasta stage of life, this, these last 25 years, whatever it's been, I felt compelled in the same way I felt compelled to write the book and do this other stuff to organize it so well that I wouldn't have to keep pouring energy into it. And, you know, I kept thinking that maybe someone on my staff could do that for me, or maybe, you know, some, or maybe should I hire someone, but I didn't want to hire someone because I didn't want to have to create all the, I didn't want to have to make enough money to, to, to pay all those bills and all that kind of stuff. So what I did was actually you and I had talked about, you had mentioned Smartsheet, you know, which is this uh, project management organizational software tool online. You told me about that. And and I thought, well, maybe I can do that instead of hiring a manager to do this. And so this was last summer. And long story short, I 
did a bunch of research myself to see there's a bunch of those kind of programs, Asana and Reich and Smartsheet and other stuff. And I ended up on Reich, uh, just sort of at a certain point, I was like, I don't know, I'll pick Reich. You know? It just seemed for me a, a little bit easier. And it was a huge learning curve. But what I ended up doing over the course of a few months was migrating all the work, all the projects, all the ongoing things that are cyclical that happen, like question, live question and answer things every couple of years, onto that program. And it was I was bitching about it to myself, like, I hate my work. And that is not me. I have loved my work. But I was like, internally crabbing for weeks. And then I was driving into the local town to get groceries. And I was driving back and I thought, all right, Claudia, (laughs) cut it out. If this is wrong, and you hate it, you have to stop it. If it's right, then it's right. And so shut up. So, uh, you know, it, again, one of those like instantaneous things, I checked in with myself and it was immediately clear, no, this is right. Do not stop this. This is temporary. This is good. And from that moment on, I felt great about it. It was still hard, but I felt great. This is right. I'm not kidding myself that this is an endless process and I'm never going to be over it and I'm never going to. So that somehow that mundane experience of just rolling up my sleeves and being like, this isn't a time to create new things. This is a time to finish what's on my to-do list. I had this, these two women's health courses that I had wanted to put online for a long time. And so I had to finish doing that. And I did, I got those up in September. One is, is a lot like healthier hormones, but it's a video format and it goes a little bit deeper and more handout like stuff like that, you know? But I really wanted to get those online. And then that was the end of my to-do list. And so for about a year, it took this tremendous organizational effort at this time where, you know, my attention's turning away from wanting to do all that logistical detail, sorting organization online, you know, computer learning curve, learning these new systems, all, all that stuff. It's not like that's what I wanted to do, but it really was this very right component to organizing what I had so that I could say, okay, this is organized. Now it doesn't take me pouring my energy into my professional life. Now there's this maintenance level involved and I have time to pull back and space to pull back and see what is next. And I kept kind of hoping and feeling and trusting that I wasn't kidding myself, that this wasn't going to go on forever. And indeed, it didn't. And, you know, it's November 1st now. Those two new women's health courses went up in September. It is a whole different ballgame than I've ever had. It's a level of organization. And I'm not adding anything to my to-do list. My to-do list is done with professionally. It's like, now it's this maintenance feeding You know, I'm not nursing my kid for the first three years of its life. I'm, you know, saying, hey, there's peanut butter and jelly in the kitchen or there's kitchery on the stove, you know, help yourself. (laughs) You know, it's, there's still a nourishment that has to happen and and it's, but it's well organized and it's enough that I can just come in and do the parts that I like more and um, the rest of it is well organized. So now there's 
and I'm going to stop it for a second and give this some time. And, but the next, next thing is like, wow, how does that feel now that there's space and what's going to happen with that is this whole other interesting part. But I, I, I think that mundane stuff, it's like, there's profound aspects to this transition for me. There's physical aspects of this transition to me and there's mundane aspects of this transition for me and they all conjoin and they're all cooperative and they all require setting a limit to my continue, you know, setting a limit to the to-do list. So that to-do list doesn't continue to grow and grow and grow. Like it always seems to do in a grahasta stage of life. Okay. So the next thing, the next course, now we've done this framework and foundation material. So now we can build on it by doing this. Nope. Somebody else can do that. There's new people in the Gurahasta stage of life that can do that. And that's just me and where I'm at. But so that, so there's that. And, and so I'd love to hear what you have to say about that. And, and now I think it's great to go back and see what it was that you think you want to learn between, you know, 45 and 50. <laughs> yeah, it's really similar. I mean, when you were speaking, I was, you know, it's like this restructuring reorganization for can it's like a contained efficiency and i that's it's pretty similar i mean it really is pretty similar for me i turned my team over 80 percent this year Uh, and a lot of that was because like i need the support for who i want to be next and i didn't have that in my existing team uh in my company and so i decided and it was true it was like if I was going to redo a number of years in my life, I would not choose last year. <laughs> right. Like it was, you know, I was in it. I was in it to win it. Um, and I'm so glad, you know, I mean, it was like, like it was an, it was a necessary evil in a way to learn some lessons I had to learn. Like if, you know, it's like if you had been using Rike all along, then you don't have to like stop and redo everything. Right. Like in the same way, if I had been holding people accountable or to a higher standard, including holding myself to a higher standard to be able to hold, you know, a a standard of holding other people. I can hold myself to a very high standard. I was having a hard time holding other people to that and then letting go of people that I just couldn't, couldn't perform at a certain level. And so when I was, when I finally dealt with that, there was just a lot of personal, there was just a lot of personal growth. And there was also just a lot of like, just the nightmare of, of the breakdown before the breakthrough of just like, what am I doing? why am I doing this? Is it worth it? Like I can have a really good life by just not getting through this stage or this phase, like not growing through it and not dealing with my own integrity gaps. But I kind of, you know, I, I always go back to the, like, if not me, then who like, and kind of like if other people can do it, like I've, I've always been smart enough. I've always had plenty of energy. I, you know, I've had access to coaches, mentors, teachers, I've invested in great people I'm like, if I can't figure this out, like, come on, really? So I, I, you know, when I would get to the low of the lows of like, why isn't this working? What's wrong with me? (laughs) I would, I would, you know, ultimately fall back on like, I've got a few years to figure this out. Like I really got, I've got some, I've, I've bought myself in many ways enough time just with the stability of the organization and financially, et cetera, to be like, let's just figure this out. Like other people know how to do this. I can, I can learn how, I can learn how to do this, to have a company that can really support the vision and the mission that doesn't 
tap me, but supports me and uplifts me. So it took it. I mean, it's like, it took three years. It took a year, like depending on how I look at it, like it got very serious. It got very, very serious a year ago. And now I'm in an entirely different place with about 80% different uh, people around me. I have space and time. I have my dream job. It just keeps getting better. It's like, it, it, that was really super clear. The other thing that happened in the last year was like, I also realized that like, like most of the body of work that like I'm here to create, like I don't need, I'm not adding courses. Like we're not adding anything. We're just tightening everything up. Like that's what we're and, and we totally tightened up customer service the last year. Like it's, we have zero onboarding issues. Now we went from like so many to zero in this last year. I mean, just so many things have just looked tightening up systems, operations. And then, like you said, just like the where, where is everything in the organization of everything? And that's so grounding. Like it's so, it's so phenomenal. I think just in, in the parallels between your story and my story with your story with Reich and my story with like the team and the organization of stuff is like at some point it's that reflective phase where you have to look back through everything. You have to sort and sift and you have to reorganize it in a way that's efficient and accessible for the future. And, and in many ways, like process and toss, toss the rest. So it doesn't go on. It's like when people downsize, right? A lot of people hit a phase of life where they're like, no moss. Like I don't need <laughs> more cars, more sweaters, more things in the garage. Like, right. It's like that sort of downsizing. I, I believe for people, especially that are cultural creatives, like that happens on an, that happens with the body of work where you, you reorganize it, you pare it down to an efficiency. And then like you were saying, like you still tend the garden, uh, but you're not, you're no longer in like garden expansion. You're not like, Oh, we're going to plow that acre and do this with it. It's more of like, we're going to cultivate these beds, add, you know, some nice little other plants that'll naturally arise in there and nurture. It's this, you know, more of this Vishnu energy of, uh, of cultivate of like, of, of, of it's a deeper level of cultivation going to go um, sit with vegetables and commune with them. Yeah, go hang. <laughs> and to me, what's so cool about this phase is like what's happening, I would say just on like the internal phase is like with this deeper grounding and support in me, like I can, I can just like in many ways, like cut through the BS, you know, with people so much faster. When I'm talking with someone who in many ways is, uh, is like not necessarily awake to the reality that they're perpetuating and not really aware of what's in that pattern. I, it's like, there's a way for me to, to see it and communicate it more easily because of just being not in this like growth phase, but just more in like really owning these deeper lessons, these deeper lessons that I've learned. Cause I mean, like for people like you or I, like we've helped a lot of people over a lot of years. Like it's been a very productive <laughs> last couple decades. And so there's accumulation of, of seeing patterns and people and still being open to new possibilities, but like being able to help people much faster is what I'm noticing now where I'll have an event or a workshop or a one-on-one or something, a little mini laser focused code, it's choked anything with someone and it'll fundamentally change their direction. So that wasn't, I, I'd say that was kind of happening before. I've heard that I had that effect on people before, but now it's like, it's just laser focused. Yeah, just less expenditure of energy with more efficiency. I don't know that I want to say that I don't care what people think, but. (laughs) 
Well, because it's in service of, right? I mean, because that's the thing. It's like the greater is in service of. And so then there's less of this topical, superficial, how's this going to land, right? Or something along those lines. You know, man, I don't know if it's, I'm going to just say this and then just kind of tune in and see if this this is true. But I think maybe I don't care what other people think. I mean, I think that I don't. And then maybe sometimes somebody will say something that really will kind of get into me and go, hmm, you know, but I think when it goes, hmm, and gets into me and either disturbs my equilibrium for a moment or inflates my equilibrium for the moment, that it's then, then what I do is then I just check in and say, is, you know, what, what's, what is true, what's true about this. But what I think is true is whether or not there's those moments where something kind of gets into me and I, and I care and they, they disturb initially and then refine my experience. It's not other people who are, who are guiding my direction. You know, it's, it's really, it, it really isn't. So you had said that you, that there's things that you know you want. Yeah. What, yeah. And I'm curious what those yeah. things are. Cause it's sometimes I think hard to know, like, what should I learn in the next five years? We, we don't, mm. you know, we don't yeah. know. So I'm curious. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I mean, and this is where, I mean, between learning, you know, like really pretty much hardcore studying as far as like for a yogi goes, business strategy. So me doing that and then me having learned a lot about Ayurveda over the last few decades, there's a way that they fuse in my brain, right? Or my awareness. And so with both, there's cycles, like they're very, they're both very aware of cycles and stages and aligned action, like both business strategy and Ayurveda, like seem to have that in spades, <laughs> right? Like seem to, sort of, seem to have what in spades? Can you repeat that? Yeah. Like just strategy towards aligned action. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. <clears throat> like Dinacharya, Ritucharya, like there's things that you do that like our aligned action, becoming a disciple of aligned action is also, mm-hmm. it's also all over in business strategy. And, mm-hmm. so, and they're both looking at cycles and they're looking at cycles and stages and rhythms. They both do that inside and out. Like for instance, like you have to invest a certain amount in order to expect growth later. That's like a very basic business principle, right? You shouldn't expect immediate ROI on deeper investments that have a longer term strategy. What's you ROI? Could, Return of investment? Return on that investment. Okay. Right. Like fruition, essentially. Mm -hmm. Plant the seed. You're not going to get fruit in like two days. It's going to be a while, (laughs) you know? So if you plant like an apple orchard, you're looking at, you know, a good 15-year horizon and then a 100-year horizon, right? Like these, depending on where you live. So with that, for me, there's a level of being, like I've always, I've always, well, since I was a teenager, had like a very strong drive to have, like to really do like what I could in my lifetime, you know, on this level of, of like, of planetary thrive. Like it's been, it's just been there since I started having a planetary perspective. Like it was, you know, it was just there for me that like there was, uh, you know, I think a way that I was acculturated to live life, to accumulate things and power and wealth and status and that just being raised on the East coast and Massachusetts and what was in my little suburban paradigm and the kind of schools I went to and, and all that. But there, there was like pretty early on in my teenage years, just like a much bigger why. And so at this point I have, I have, you know, quite a bit of like skills, assets, resource, relationships, et cetera. And I have a, a pretty savvy business model 
And there's a way of me looking at like how to run a bigger organization to serve a greater purpose. Like that's always been there, but now there's, there's simply more awareness of that. I have, I, I have more capacity to create change than I have had in the past. And then there's some skills of like being able to run a bigger organization, whether it's bigger in terms of revenue or people or how we look at it and lives impacted. And there's certain skills that I'm really aware of, of just leaning into that enable us to hit certain, certain targets on time. And these skills are really ripe for me. And I'm no, will, no longer like willing to just to kind of like distract myself with other projects that in the past were a big part of my learning. And now they're not like, I'm like the body of work is created. Like I don't have, like, I'd love to write a leadership book at some point, probably in my fifties, right? Like not, not now. And there's this, this real sense of like, I get to just lean in to understanding how to grow this organizational impact, which means, you know, in many ways, becoming even a more solid leader within an organization and where my place is in it so that I'm ultimately very supported and creative throughout this process in just the way that feels right. Right. So there's like no, there's no sacrifice. So it just feels, yeah, that's just really what it feels like is, uh, so when, when you say that there's things you think you need to learn, yeah. do you have like a specific, I need to learn this skill, this skill, and this skill, or are you thinking, oh, I think there's it's scaling. Yeah, no, it's just, it's scaling. No, and it, it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty clear what they are. And it's pretty, you know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm hanging out with more like, a, the, the other thing I don't want to highlight is more than ever relationships are important, right? And I can see how in the past, I've been very project focused and now it's shifting to being very relational focused. So even the way I'm relating, even the way that like people are, I'm noticing the people in my life in a different way. And I'm, I'm able to, to draw what I need from them or how they can help me. And I'm able to give how I can help them in this like very seamless reciprocal way in a way that is way less transactional than it's been in the past. And so what's, what's happening is like, I'm actually like, there's all these people in my life that are also in this, in this phase of life, you know, where they're, they've done a lot, they've learned a lot. And, and particularly the ones with MBAs that are just like part of my friend, family, whatever culture are like so super helpful and helping me realize like, oh, there's just this piece or, oh, there's that piece or, oh, there's that piece, whether it's branding or operations or uh, HR or, or whatever, and I'm able to access this better. So when it like, what is it to learn? It's, it's how to run a more effective organization, essentially, like how to lead, how to lead a, an organization that is bigger and more impactful than where I'm at now at about a, at about like a two to three X level. So that's, that's where I'm going. It's also doing it in a way that's, that I'm in ease, that I'm grounded, that I'm relaxed, that I'm not burning ogis. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like going, you know, and it's, and it's a, it's kind of a cool, it's a cool process where I'm able to leverage in many ways, these, you know, these assets that I've built this, this body of work, this global community and these relationships of, you know, being, I've been podcasting. We started putting stuff on the air in two, 2012, but I was recording interviews with you and people like, and people like you, other Ayurvedic experts in the field for years before that. And there's just this sense of like, as I reorganize stuff that there's just so much, there's so much leverage in doing it in a way that there's ease. It's just, it's a very fascinating experience that I'm wanting to have, you know, and at the same time working a 30 hour work week 
you know, which I feel, I feel really good about. I love, I love having a life. I love being a stay at home mom, (laughs) you know, working the, working around my family's needs. And so it's, it's kind of a cool bit of allotness from a grounded place. It is. Hey there, podcast listener. Have you taken the earlier lighter dinner challenge yet? This challenge is designed to help you master the first habit of Body Thrive. It connects you to a community of others on the same journey, so you have the support you need in order to successfully make this habit change. There are so many advantages to mastering an earlier lighter dinner, like losing weight, sleeping better, and having more energy the next day. There's a reason why it's the first habit in the Body Thrive book. Find out more and join us in the challenge at yogahealer.com forward slash challenge yogahealer.com forward slash challenge. See you there. So it's interesting to me to hear, so that you're, so what you want to learn is how to grow and run an organization that's two to three times bigger in the next five years. Does that mean two to three times bigger than it is now, or now it's two to three times bigger than it was, and you want to figure out how to run that without burning ogis? Yeah, no, it's growing. So it's not there. It's not there now, but I've built all like in the last two years, I've learned so many critical lessons for now, this like easier growth. So I'm really curious. I'm just curious about like what can, you know, just really what I can do from a place of grounded ease by, you know, by growing, by, you know, also growing the people around me and bringing in the other people that can help make it happen. So it is, it's this funny thing where it's like, it sounds really opposite of what we've been talking about, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. Cause it's not a pushing energy. Well, I think that's, I, I think that's really good. The, the not pushing energy and, and, you know, I, I don't feel, I just don't feel equipped to give anybody else going into this advice because I feel like each one of us has such a different pathway, this different destiny that it's things are going to look differently for different people. I mean, yeah, I think that's really different for different people. And, and I think that the, but for me, it's been interesting because it, for me, it feels like preparing for death, like get my affairs in order and God willing, my death is not going to be for a while. We never know, but and it's not like I, I want to close up shop and do nothing the rest of my life, but there has been this feeling for me that I am, I'm preparing for death. I'm getting my affairs in order on, on all levels so that I can be free and present for, for this vanapresta stage. And, you know, part of this is my mother has Alzheimer's. She's an assisted living. And for the last five years, it's been a pretty big effort to get her affairs in order. And I know what that means to get your affairs in order so that it's not going to be a burden for someone else. And I know that this is possibly a little precocious at 51 to just get my affairs in order as if, uh, you know, I just got a a bad prognosis, you know, but that's what it feels like. It feels like, okay, okay, how, how can I get the everything in, in enough order that I, that I'm just feeding it little by little. Mm there's a little bit more to do on that front. And and my mother's affairs that I handle are now in better shape than, than mine in terms of some of the other non-professional, but personal things, but that's on the level too. And, and it's something that it's a sort of a measuring stick. I think, you know, like if I was gonna, if I was 45 and 
thinking what, you know, what do I want to do by the time I'm 50? I would be checking things against that. Like, does this help me get ready to die? Does this help me get ready to leave? Because because the the end of Grihasta is a death and, and I want to participate. Yeah. Yeah. But let me just comment on the, like getting the affairs in order. Cause that's another, I mean, to me, that's another part of what helps so much. Like when you write, I, I went through a process a year or two ago where like I wrote, I wrote out my will and I wrote out my funeral rites and like all this stuff for Winston and Indy, like should anything happen? And you know, the documents around it, all the assets and stuff like that. And there's something that is so fantastic about, doing that. I just so highly recommend if like, if anyone listening, like hasn't done that, like go through it. Cause it does help you really see where you, where you are in life. And it helps you reorient to like, what's most important and where to go and where you want to go next and, and appreciate, you know, appreciate all the things. And it's, it, yeah, I just wanted to put that in there because it is such a, to me, that's like another part of like the cycles and the stages of doing things where you, you do put your affairs in order. Yeah. Yeah. So it feels like on all levels and, you know, doing that professionally as well. And it also, you know, it sets up not only our our kids or descendants or whoever we leave behind to be able to deal with things easier. It sets us up to be able to deal with our affairs easier in the second half of life and opens up the, the space for things, for other things. Amen. Yeah. So take us into that. All right. And I, I, you know, we could talk more about this, but I'm cognizant that this is probably shouldn't be a two hour podcast, right? <laughs> so it really was a striking change for me and to have the, the two women's health courses go up in September and have that be clearly the end of my to-do list. Maybe there's something else that will come up that I'll create in the future, but I need some space. I feel a need for space to allow the momentum of my attention to shift, you know, but I'm doing less. I've, I've said no to more invitations this year than I have for a while. And the ones that I am saying yes to, I'm planning on showing up from a different perspective. And, uh, you know, maybe it's going to be really boring to people. Maybe people will be like, oh, I, I don't know that I like this new quaalude version of Claudia. (laughs) I don't know. I don't really know what it, what it's going to be like to show up in this different space and way, but I am committed to it enough that, for example, Dr. Svoboda and I were uh, invited to, to go teach at a conference in India in a couple of Novembers from now, or a couple of Octobers from now, so a couple of years. And it was going to be this big conference. And honestly, conferences I find fairly draining in sometimes they're so scattered all these different presenters and different things and going on and and we were asked to teach a conference at a place that's already maxed out and uh for me my response was you know no because you're already maxed out and I don't want to do that why don't we have a retreat for supporting the vanaprasta stage of life and everybody was great with that and so you know that's hopefully what, what we're going to do in India in a couple of years. But it, it's like, a, you know, it's a shift and it requires me showing up as a woman going into the Vanaprasta stage of life to kind of know, know myself as, as best I can. And, you know, whether it's speaking to a group of men who want to put on a conference or whether it's speaking to a group of women who we're all trying to navigate this phase, 
it feels really important to me to to live my truth in this way. And so it's things are slowing down and they're changing and I'm really happy about that. And so I know that there's a shift coming up. There's there's a shift coming up in the way that I approach and show up for the commitments that I that I have. I'm taking less commitments. I'm pouring less energy into the organizational part of my thing because that's done. And so now there's this space. And one of the things I talk about in that article that I mentioned earlier about shifts that happened in the late 40s is I've found I've been taking more and more space in the last number of years. And when that space is is there, it feels empty and can feel sad. And there's this fear that, will my expectations about divine grace fall? Will, will there be just emptiness? Will this stage disappoint me? And so there's some of that that happens for me. And there's this emptiness that happens. And all I can say is that I trust that emptiness way more than I trust filling that emptiness mm-hmm. at this point. And so I'm in that point where there is sometimes this emptiness there's this more space. And for me, as I've mentioned many times, my, my guru wrote to me when I was, had just turned to eight years old, keep good company, good company makes a man great. And I've, I feel that two things are important for me right now. Keep the space open, don't fill it and put myself in the way of inspiration. You know, whether that's going to a Fleetwood Mac concert, which I did two nights ago and it was incredible, <laughs> or whether it's going to India and going on a bit of a pilgrimage which I um, plan to do later this month, be there for a month. That's what's happening right now and t- to be open to, to whatever happens, even if whatever happens is nothing. Uh, at the beginning of the Grahasta stage of life, we used to go out every Thursday for mocha lattes and long walks. And the theme of our time together was always, always came back to it seems, and this, or at least this was my take home message all these years later, was we're nobody going nowhere. And to me at this point, you know, it's, it's something that helped me throughout the Grahasta period, like to become nobody, not to become somebody, to, to embrace nothingness. And that's more powerfully present now than ever, you know, and more comforting. Mm. Uh, nobody going nowhere, doing nothing. And just embracing that and being, and, and I don't know why that is so comforting, but it is so comforting and embracing that more and more. That's a little bit about that. And, and I feel like perhaps we should wrap this up before my internet kicks out again. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, it reminds me, of, so I was in the Picasso museum in not too long ago in Paris and, uh, like looking, it was cool. There's this whole exhibit and, and Picasso talking about like creating, you know, just how creating something out of nothing, like how it, you have to get to that point of nothing to really create. And uh, it's, it's such a fascinating thing of like the, the nobody, nowhere, nothing. It takes all the, the sort of like existential pressure off so that we can just be, and then in being something. And allows happens. something else to, to, to do the create. You know? Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad, Dr. Claudia, we've had this conversation. Uh, For those listening, you can check out Dr. Claudia's books uh, and her courses. Uh, They're on, her books are obviously on Amazon. And then her courses are on Dr. Claudia Welch and our course together is Healthier Hormones. Um, It's been a pleasure to connect as, as always. You too, Kate, and good luck. 
<laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Again, this is Kate Stillman with the Yoga Healer podcast. Thanks for being a listener. It's amazing for me to realize that podcasting here since 2012, how we have this global community of people who are wanting to uplevel themselves, their lives, uh, our planet, and experience greater connectivity and thrive. I have a free stuff section a lot of people don't know about at yogahealer.com. There's a free mini Ayurveda course. There's a free mini body habits course. There's our Body Thrive workbook. If you haven't checked that out lately, go in there and check it out. There's also this Awake Living mini course in there on awakening your your deeper dream, your dharma. So again, if if you want to shift from being a listener to actually watching some of my guided videos, go to yogahealer.com, click on free stuff, and just find what meets your needs. And you'll hear from me next week at the Yoga Healer Real Life Show here, the Yoga Healer Podcast. Uh, if you're if you're not already subscribed, subscribe. And I, I interview really fascinating people here, and I also give you some of my best teachings that are very current of the moment. Namaste and have a great day.